Welcome to Recloseted Radio, the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing sustainable apparel company, or looking to make a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and each week I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Recloseted Radio. If you have been ever curious about how Recloseted started or how I got the idea to start a sustainable fashion consulting agency, this is the episode for you because in today's episode, I'm going to dive deep on all of those items. I've gotten so many DMs and emails from people wondering how Recloseted started, how I started a consulting agency, and all those kind of questions. So I feel like today's episode will be really helpful for folks and I'm really just going to outline my entrepreneurial journey, my story, and how Recloseted came to be. So kicking things off with some background on me, I feel like I've always been pretty entrepreneurial. I didn't have the stereotypical lemonade stand per se, but that's mainly because my parents didn't feel comfortable with me talking to strangers, and then also selling questionable lemonade products to her neighbors. So that was never part of my entrepreneurial journey. But that being said, I still had a bunch of little endeavors and projects that I would always be doing. And growing up as a first-generation Chinese-Canadian, we weren't necessarily super well-off because my parents immigrated to Canada and to Vancouver specifically, which I am forever grateful for because I love that I was able to grow up here. Anyway, so growing up as a first-generation Chinese-Canadian, I never really got an allowance, and so for every single thing I ever wanted, like clothes or toys or books or whatever, I had to hustle and try to make up my own money so I could buy it. And I think that really instilled my work ethic and my ability to be self-sufficient, even from a really young age. Because now, looking back on things, If we closeted, went bankrupt, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that never happens. But even if we go bankrupt or all of our clients decide they don't want to work with us and we never get a client again, I still think I would be okay because I have the skill sets and the know-how to start businesses now and be able to leverage my skill sets. And at the end of the day, I know I'll be okay and I know that I can take care of myself, which is something that's really reassuring and a really fortunate position to be in. But anyways, for some fun story times, obviously as a kid, I was in school and alongside school, I also was really heavily taking piano lessons and it's a very typical Asian girl thing to do, but I was practicing for hours and hours every day. I was going to lessons every single week and in Canada, we have a Royal Conservatory of Music institution where you have different grade levels and you take tests and you do theory and all those things. So I went through all of those and I got all the certifications and went to the highest level possible. And eventually I got my teaching license at the age of 16 and then started teaching younger kids in my neighborhood and in neighboring neighborhoods. And it was it was kind of that when I first started monetizing my passions and my projects because Up until then, I was doing crafts, right? So I was like making bracelets and making jewelry and sometimes trading it with kids at school or giving it as birthday gifts. I would also draw 
paintings and draw drawings that weren't very good, but you know, giving them as gifts to my parents and my grandparents. And I've always been kind of creative and always had passion projects on the go. But it wasn't until I started teaching kids piano that I ended up monetizing something that I can do and like something that I'm good at. So I started this at 16, and back then I didn't really know what branding and marketing was, but I was essentially doing it without even knowing what it was. So the first thing I did was I called my studio, the SH Piano Studio, and I turned it into a bit of a piano agency business because I felt like no one's really going to take me seriously because I'm 16. So I need to market this a little bit and make it seem a little bit more legit than it is, and then. The second thing I did was convince my parents to turn one of our guest bedrooms into my own studio, which again we're privileged. We had that space and that extra space that my parents weren't really using, and they were like, "Okay, sure, why not?" And then I started having neighborhood kids come through, and in order to get clients or kids to teach, I ended up doing a few forms of lead generation. So the first thing I would do would be flyers that I would design on my own computer using Microsoft Word, and I would print them out, and then I would stick them at elementary schools and middle schools in my area because I knew that I kind of wanted to teach kids that were younger than me to start with because I felt kind of weird teaching people that were older than me. So I went to elementary schools and middle schools, and I flyered the heck out of those bulletin boards. And then, as I started getting some clients and some students, I also really utilized word of mouth and referrals. And through those mechanisms and doing a good job with my piano students, I was able to really build up my clientele. Honestly, before I did this piano studio and this piano teaching business, I really thought I was actually going to pursue music as higher education. But going through this whole experience of starting my own piano studio and my own piano teaching business really showed me that I actually enjoy entrepreneurship a lot, and actually a lot more than I enjoy music. And for my last year in high school, when you're supposed to decide what you want to do in university, and also for the rest of your life, because that's how you think when you're at that age, I went with one of my friends to an entrepreneurship conference, and. Originally, I didn't really think too much of it. I was kind of just going because she didn't want to go alone, and then I was like, "Okay, sure, I'll go with you." And I ended up really, really liking it. I thought it was really cool. There were some older students doing pitches, and we would be voting on which business idea we thought was the most interesting. And I really just fell in love with this whole idea of entrepreneurship, running your own company, solving problems, and doing something about it. And so. I guess it was kind of naive, but I think I naively thought that business school would be like that, and they would really teach you how to be an entrepreneur. So I enrolled in business school, and you know I don't regret it at all because I do think those four years really taught me really good business acumen. But I do think that business school or traditional B school really teaches you and gives you the skill sets to work for someone else. And that's what they're preparing you for, right? Like they want to make sure that you're going to do a great job at your nine to five. They want you to move up the corporate ladder and get promotions, and that's really what they're grooming you for. And as the years went by, I did drink that Kool Aid a little bit, and I started working for other corporations. So 
Throughout my time in school, I tried to get internships and I was able to intern at a variety of companies, which I was really, really excited about and fortunate. But I did a startup, I did a Fortune 500 beauty company, I did an advertising agency. And upon graduation, I had signed to start working at a firm here in Vancouver in a pretty cushy marketing gig. And in doing so, I had made my own personal decision to put my dreams of starting my own business and being an entrepreneur on hold for a little bit because I wanted to learn as much as I could in the corporate field and get that training and that expertise and then potentially start a business later on when I was a bit older. However, fast forward to being 23 in this corporate desk job that was marked to me as being the sign that I had quote unquote made it and realizing that I didn't like what I was doing for 40 plus hours a week. And I didn't get excited waking up to go to work. I got the Sunday scaries, which is on Sunday when you dread going back to work on Monday and for the following week. And I really grappled for a long time if if I could even have a career or a job that fulfills me, or if that was just an entitled millennial thing to chase after and it doesn't really even exist. And I know that a lot of my friends also go through this and also a lot of people I talk to, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the age. Like I think it really hit me when I was 23, but some people it hits them when they're 24 or 25 and it's like that quarter life crisis, or maybe it hits them when they're 30. It doesn't really matter, but I think in some point in time, some people just look up from their cubicles or they just look up from the desk job that they've been at for so many years and they just wonder if there's anything else out there for them or they just wonder if there's just more to life than just pushing these papers around or having these meetings or padding the pockets of shareholders. And I think that it's not necessarily an entitled thing to think about, like, Taking a step back, we should all feel grateful and privileged that, you know, if we have a job, that's amazing and we can pay our bills. But after a lot of introspection, I've just really landed on the fact that we only have this one life. And so why should we settle for something that we're doing for 40 plus hours a week for at least 40 years? And in that kind of context, I don't think it's a privileged millennial thing or an entitled millennial thing to really try to make something of our careers and do something that makes us happy. And again, like you should have gratitude and you should feel privileged that you have a job. But that doesn't mean that you should settle and be complacent. I think there's a fine balance you need to have with gratitude and, you know, acknowledging that you're grateful that you have a job. But then also not giving up and just thinking that this is as good as it's going to get and you shouldn't try to continue to learn and develop and you shouldn't try to continue to grow. So going back to my whole introspective soul-searching slash career-searching, I did the Myers-Briggs personality type test, and you can do it for free at 16personalities.com. I think that's the URL, but anyways, you can just Google 16 personalities, and you can do the test for free to find out what you are if you don't already know. But I am an INFJ, which means that I am introverted, I like deep conversations, I am more feelings-based and logical-based, and I'm also very organized. And for the INFJ personality type, which is also known as the advocate, impact and passion is really important to that person, especially when it comes to career. And quick caveat here, 
With all these personality types, it is a bit of a generalization. So I'm not saying that every single person that identifies as an INFJ is going to be like that. But more often than not, and especially the INFJs that I've encountered in my life, impact and passion is really important. And so for me, it's really important and I need to feel like I'm doing something meaningful and is purpose-driven and making the world a better place. And that's why I was so miserable in my desk job because I felt like I was just doing things to quote-unquote maximize shareholder value and pad the pockets of people that were already really well off. And it just didn't feel aligned. And yeah, I was learning and yeah, I was put on really high impact projects and I was getting a lot of responsibility, which was amazing. But at the end of the day, it just felt a little bit like I was selling my soul and I just really wasn't proud of or really didn't really love what I was doing for 40 hours a week, which is a really big portion of your life. So that was going on in my career. And then in my personal life, if you will, I started educating myself more about the fashion industry because I watched The True Cost, which is an amazing documentary. And if you haven't seen it before, I highly recommend. I will leave it down in the show notes so you can see it. But anyways, I grew up in Vancouver, like I talked about at the beginning of this podcast episode. And if you've never been to Vancouver before or you're not familiar, we have some beautiful nature. We have mountains that I love to hike and snowboard. We have ocean and beaches. And I, I think growing up here, you kind of take it for granted because you see it and you get accustomed to it. But the more I traveled and the more I got to experience other cultures, Every single time I came back, well, I would think those cultures and those places were really beautiful and had their own items to offer. Every time I would come back, though, I would have a newfound sense of gratitude and respect for this place I call home. And I would always be really grateful for the environment and just the nature and the place that I live. And so I love the environment. And on the flip side, I always have loved fashion as well because I'm very creative and I love to express myself with what I wear and I love to play around with different styles. And when I was really unhappy at my desk job, I would also retail therapy myself better because I feel like I didn't really have the mental capacity and the tools to do other things to try and cope with what was going on. And I also feel like I wasn't really aware and self just like I wasn't self-aware of the fact that impact and like having purpose is really, really important to me in a job. So I just knew I was unhappy and I knew that I wanted to change things, but I felt too scared to do so. So I kind of just retailed therapy myself better, essentially. It is not something I am proud of, but it is part of my journey. And I talk about it because I know there's other people that go through this as well. And I want to be transparent in sharing that and I want to inspire others as well because if I was doing that and now I was able to change, so can you. And so anyways, I watched The True Cost. It really kicked me in the butt and really encouraged me to change my fashion lifestyle. I was in complete disbelief and I felt so stupid, so ignorant, and also so guilty about my fashion choices. Because I had shopped at fast fashion stores and yeah, sometimes I would thrift from time to time and yeah, sometimes whenever possible, I would try to buy from sustainable brands. But generally, like I was buying things I didn't really need and I was buying things for certain occasions because I didn't want to wear the same thing twice. Like 
It was really ridiculous, and I think that I just really learned the harmful impacts of the glitzy and glamorous world of fashion, and I, I, w- I was just in shock, right? So what I ended up doing was doing over 10,000 hours of research. Every time I wasn't working, I was just trying to read books about slow fashion, listen to podcasts about slow fashion, read internet reports, and even starting to attend events in Vancouver and also making those sustainable fashion industry connections so that I could pick their brains and really learn more. From all this research I did, I started to document everything I was learning, mainly for my own purposes because I just wanted to keep track of everything and remember everything, and that's how I really learn. And then when I looked up from all of my research and all of my notes, I realized that I had written a handbook that was really helpful and could help someone else go from where I was, which was an ignorant fast fashion consumer, all the way to now becoming a conscious consumer, but also doing it in a manner that's stylish and I could be proud of. And so I self-published the Recloseted Handbook, which I will leave down in the show notes so that you can check it out. But in the meantime, kind of at the same time, I realized that I was really passionate about the fashion industry and making a positive impact and positive change on it. So I decided that this was the time to again pick up that calling again to start a business or start something that would at least make me a little bit happier for my nine to five and give me that purpose. And that's how Recloseted was really born. And whenever I tell people how I started Recloseted, I always say it was very organic and it came really easily to me, but I also didn't start it as a business. Like I, It really came and stemmed from a passion of wanting to make a difference in the fashion industry and really wanting to learn how I could help and solve a problem. And this is advice I always give to people that want to start a business or start some sort of company. You always need to have a why and a passion because that will carry you through because entrepreneurship does have high highs and low lows, and it's going to be tough. You're going to have challenges thrown at you multiple times a day or multiple times a week. And so if you have that why and that passion for what you're doing, it can really help you persevere and really help carry you through. My second piece of advice is really being able to center your business and your products and your services around solving a problem. And I'm not going to be the first person that's ever said this. I'm sure you've heard other people talk about this as well. But I think it's so true because nowadays we don't need more product and we don't need more services and we don't need more random businesses popping up. We need things and businesses and services that will genuinely solve a problem and make the world a better place. So make sure not only you have that why and the passion for the business you're starting, but it is also solving a problem that is much needed. I first founded Recloseted back in August of 2018. And when I first started it, it really started as an awareness raising tactic and building up a community of slow fashion consumers that were really educated. And we did clothing swap events in our community. I did speaking engagements. I started this Recloseted Radio podcast. And it really started organically, like I talked about, because I had such a big passion to try and change things and make the fashion industry a better place. But then, as I started making more friends in the fashion industry space, and because I have an extensive business background and experience, 
I really wanted to figure out how I could leverage it to help businesses as well, because consumers are one thing. And when you educate consumers, that's amazing. But to truly enact change on the fashion industry, you can't just have a bunch of educated consumers because they need to be able to put their money and put their, their support behind brands that are doing better. So we also need businesses in the space that are doing some amazing things. And then arguably, you know, government also potentially has a role as well. But since we had covered the consumer space and we were doing work on it, I now wanted to shift my focus to the business space as well and figure out how I could really leverage my extensive business background and experience to help the fashion industry. What I started to do was to work pro bono or for free with some local brands to really be able to test out my services and how I could help them and really get intimately aware of my target customer and what they were struggling with. And I always recommend that to clients or even anyone that's trying to start a service-based business. You want to make sure that you intimately know your ideal customer inside and out. You know how you can help them, how you can add value to them, and how you can really help help serve them, right? Because again, we don't want to just make products and services for the sake of making products and services. We want to be able to solve a problem. Anyway, so I started working with these local brands and it was an amazing experience because I felt so in flow, you know, quote unquote in flow where you just feel like everything's working out and you're doing what you're meant to do. And I also just felt so passionate about this work and I really enjoyed working with early stage startups and early stage founders. And I was able to get them some amazing results, which I'm really, really proud of. And so once I figured that out and I firmed up my services and I firmed up my packages, I started charging for my services and it really took off. And today we're here now where Recloseted is a full-fledged business. We are a consulting agency with clients worldwide, which is amazing and still very, very cool to say. And I think that it just really, again, like as you can see, it started so organically and the more I chipped away at it, the more I really started to see where the problems lied and where I could help, the, the faster we were able to take off. But again, it all comes back to having that why and having that passion and then also being able to solve a problem. So in summary, I wanted to say a few pieces of advice I have for folks that either want to start a sustainable fashion brand and or just any company or business in general. The first thing, I, I already talked about this, but have your why. The second piece of advice is just to start. I think a lot of wannabe entrepreneurs and founders will have ideas and that's all it ever is. It's just an idea. And you don't want to be like that. Like if you have a really good idea and you're really excited and jazzed about it, start. You can start by getting a domain name or you can start by starting your Instagram account or just start to talk to people and figure out if this is a viable business idea. But you need to just chip away at it. And I know that when you first start, it's really overwhelming because there's so many things to do. But the easiest thing you can do is just break it down into steps write a list of every single thing you need to do and just start to cross it off. And then, you know, maybe a month later or a couple months later, you'll have really been able to start your business and all of your efforts will snowball. 
Another piece of advice I have is the fact that it doesn't have to be a full-fledged business or company right from the get-go. You can definitely iterate, and I would say what you see today when it comes to Recloseted is something that I've built over two and a half years, right? Like it's not like I woke up and then two days later, our website looks the way it does and we have the amount of community and the amount of brand recognition we do now. Right. Like this is something we've built for a couple of years now. And I think that, you know, if I can do it, you can 100 percent do it, too. But know that it doesn't have to be a business right off the bat. It can be a passion project. It can be a side hustle. It can be something that you're doing creatively and then you discover you really, really enjoy doing it. But I don't think you need to be putting that kind of pressure on yourself. Just have fun with it and see where it goes. Additionally, I would also strongly suggest you invest in expert knowledge and resources. If there are books, paid programs, mentorship, or whatever it is you can invest in to get there faster, do it. One of my regrets is that at the beginning, I didn't do that. And I thought that I could just Google and use free resources to figure it out. And I think I probably wasted about six months trying to do that until I was finally fed up enough to actually invest in mentors and programs. And that's really when I started taking Recloseted so much more seriously and Recloseted just really started scaling and growing. And lastly, it is so important to surround yourself with amazing people. And I cannot stress this enough because if you come from a background like I did where you worked a nine to five job, and all your other friends were either from work or they also work nine to five jobs and you don't have any friends that's starting their own business or are entrepreneurs, it can feel really lonely. So start to branch out and start to potentially go to meetups or go to events where you can network and meet other like-minded people. But it's really important to surround yourself with people that are also go-getters and also want to potentially make impact and change the world, right? If that's something that resonates with you. So make sure you surround yourself with the right kind of people. And then another thing you'll want to do is surround yourself with people that are smarter than you and have more experience than you so you can learn from them and really scale and accelerate your success. So make sure you either get yourself mentors or invest in programs or whatever it is, kind of like the last point I was just talking about. But make sure you're just surrounded with people that inspire you and really push you to do better. And quick plug here, but that's why for our Conscious Label Launcher program, which launches sustainable fashion brands, and our Conscious Apparel Accelerator, which scales sustainable fashion brands, that's why the community of slow fashion founders is so important for both of those programs. And it's also why that's one of the favorite features that a lot of the program participants tell us is, you know, that just that accountability group and the community because it is really important and it's so impactful when you're surrounded by the right kind of people. And that's why we design the programs and the services we have the way we do. So anyways, this is getting to be a bit long, so I'm probably going to cut it off here. But I hope that me sharing my journey and creating We Closeted and starting We Closeted was helpful for you and also potentially inspiring for you as well. If you have any other questions, feel free to DM us at Recloseted on Instagram or send us an email to hey at recloseted.com. And that was today's episode. 
If you enjoyed it and you took a lot out of it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Additionally, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because new episodes will be automatically downloaded. And it also helps us as well to continue to provide this podcast for free to you and continue to share all of these valuable resources. If you haven't already, also make sure you rate Recloseted 5 stars if you think we deserve it and write a positive review. That really helps us as well. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.